Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, July 2nd, 2023. It's the night after Money in the Bank, the night after John Cena made his big pitch for his favorite city, London, England, United Kingdom. Um, I'm joined today not by Chris Gullo. He refuses to be in the same building as Jesse Collins today, so... Hello. Yeah, last week we had dressing rooms uh, that were as far apart from each other as possible. Yes. We were on the show together. Yes. There was there was security involved to make sure that it was monitoring everyone at all times to make sure that your paths did not cross. So, glad that worked out. Um, okay. Have uh, you... Jesse, do you use TweetDeck? I've used it before, but, but no, I wouldn't say I use it. Have you heard about the crisis that is happening on TweetDeck this morning? Uh, no, I'm aware that Twitter had some has had some issues yesterday. Um, I really wasn't around at all yesterday, and about six months ago, I deleted Twitter from my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really have you have you reinstalled it? No, you have you have upheld that that deletion. No, I mean because part of it was I just realized that I was wasting a lot of time like aimlessly scrolling Twitter with no purpose. So um, that was one of the reasons I got rid of it. So I really only I'm really I'm kind of I, I wouldn't say I'm off Twitter. But I pretty much only use Twitter to kind of tweet my own stuff out, and I don't really scroll anymore on it. So I, I miss a lot of the, some of the, uh, the drama that I used to, I used to uh, see a lot more of when I had it on my phone. Well, TweetDeck this morning, um, if I can show everyone who's watching in video, this is what my TweetDeck looks like this morning. Um, it's basically just a bunch of white bars for people listening in audio. Uh, it's not loading any tweets. It is loading my home stream thing. Anyway, uh, as, as people may know, Elon Musk has decided to do a, a, a rate limit, which maybe is just a cover for him not paying his Amazon uh, AWS bill. But uh, anyway, uh, I had some trouble uh, scheduling the tweets. Well, I, I scheduled them okay. They seem to have gone through. But uh, my usual Twitter experience is, is not happening. It would be a, a real service, though, actually, I think, to global society in general if if Twitter became unusable. Um, and as I, I polled people on Twitter where I should post tweets if I do not post tweets on on, on Twitter for the TV ratings. And uh, the winning vote was a utility poll. So I might be – look for that because we know Showbiz Daily is, is out of business and we'll talk about that later. But um, you may have to read your TV ratings at your local utility poll or, or just find the utility poll in Buffalo, New York where I have posted it. Right. So we'll have to be traveling to Buffalo, New York to uh, find the utility poll – outside your house um, where you've stapled a, uh, a chart with the latest TV ratings on it. Yes. Did you get a chance to watch Money in the Bank uh, yesterday? I have not seen Money in the Bank yet. Yes. Um, but you've heard about the John Cena promo, have you? Yes. I have seen the highlights. I have seen the major moments. I wouldn't say I've seen the show, but I have. Um, I'm familiar with what happened on the show for sure. Okay. Well, that, that will be uh, our first topic, but we are... Uh, if, if you don't know, this podcast is going to Patreon beginning next week. We are really going to be only on Patreon next week. So if you're listening to us um, on the free feed on WrestleMonics Radio, if you're listening to us, watching us on YouTube, and you're not a subscriber to listen to us next week, the week after that, and the week after that, you have to be a subscriber at patreon.com slash WrestleMonics. Um, Think maybe I should re- rebrand this to, to the red color. Yeah, I mean, a lot. I know a lot of people are interested in seeing how this this plays out for us. Yes, we'll see what the what the buys are like. Um, I will say this is a test of, of uh, who's who, is this a test of my drawing power? Is it a test of your drawing power? It's all going to be uh, obscured though. It's all going to be complicated because with the, with the the timing of Showbiz Daily going down, 
um, and the timing of AW Collision, you could really say, well, you can't really credit either of them for their drawing power because, I mean, they're just external factors that, that obscure and complicate all of this. Um, I, will, I will say subscribers have been doing well in the last week or so. Um, I think some of that is because of Showbiz Daily, which has not yet missed a day, but I think they have, I don't know if Friday is going to be their last day or, you know, what they intend. But, um, yeah, subscribers will have we, gone up. Will we be covering the business of WrestleNomics as part of WrestleNomics? That's um, kind of like the ultimate self-fulfilling aspect of the show, right? We would uh, we'd be going over uh, our trends. What's our Google search data looking like? We have What's no that? Google search. We, we are too small of an entity to have a Google uh, Now we are, for now. Google trends. Maybe sometime in the future, though. Um, but yes, if you want to listen to us next week, only on Patreon. And it will be in video and in audio for subscribers only. Um, and we will, we will give you instructions if you're listening live next week about how you can submit a, a, a question without having to pay any money um, for a super chat. But we are accepting super chats today if you want to submit a question or a comment. Um, okay. We'll get to other stuff later. Um, so, Money in the Bank. From the O2 Arena in London, this is, these, are, these are the numbers from WrestleTix. Um, 17,000 plus for SmackDown on Friday. Completely sold out, according to WrestleTix. And then the next night, Money in the Bank, the pay-per-view, excuse me, premium live event. Uh, WrestleTix has the count at 17,617. Michael Cole says otherwise. 18,885, he said. Um, in any case, another sold-out show. So two consecutive nights of sellouts. Uh, must have been pretty high ticket prices um, because Triple H said that this was the Money in the Bank was the highest grossing arena event in all of WWE history. SmackDown, the prior night, was the highest grossing SmackDown in WWE history, according to Triple H. Uh, more on that in a moment. Uh, we do have next week SmackDown, Madison Square Garden, the house that Roman built, or Bruno built. That's uh, basically sold out. What we're seeing here in video on the ticket map, you see some pink dots. Those are all resales, so they've already been sold. They're being resold. And you do see some blue dots, which usually indicate tickets that have not been bought. And they do indicate tickets that have not been bought, but those are all platinum tickets that have been dynamically priced and jacked way up to you know, adjust for demand. So I would say this, is, this show is essentially sold out this next Friday, SmackDown. Uh, and, how and how many tickets is that? 12 i can look it up it's um is it is it enough is it enough to say that roman's a draw are you, are you hearing me yeah no i can hear you i'm, I'm okay. it's, you know what, what do you think it's like tw- twelve thousand five hundred and twenty seven is the latest count yeah, i don't, I don't think for twelve thousand tickets would be considered a sellout in bruno's time well you have to have that massive stage um who knows how many tickets they would sell if they were just walking out through the curtain um you gotta have that massive stage for roman reigns to slow walk his way to the ring uh through um but I would say the biggest story for our, our world coming out of Money in the Bank, John Cena making a surprise appearance in London, coming out, and uh, we'll, we'll, I'll read this this report from Post Wrestling, written by Neil Flanagan. John Cena made an announced appearance on, in, in London at WWE Money in the Bank and urged the staging of WrestleMania in the United Kingdom. He got a huge babyface reaction as he took to the ring to cut a promo. Cena said the quote-unquote decision makers got lots of boos. When he said decision makers, the decision makers did not know how to feel about the UK, saying that they were worried about the crowd taking over the show. He added that the crowd did not take over the show, but he told them, God, he's a man of the people. You are the show. Huge roars and cheers. After telling the fans 
how much he appreciated them. He got a thank you Cena chant. He then told the crowd he was there to try to bring WrestleMania to London. This got an enormous reaction. He added that he was not there for one more match, but to give the UK audience a chance to let them know what WrestleMania in London would sound like. And he was then interrupted by Grayson Waller, who I believe is from Australia originally, right? Um, who was greeted with yes. Who Are You, Chance, and shut the F up. Uh, Waller wanted WrestleMania not to be in the UK, but to be in Australia. And he said he thought he could get seen on the show. Anyway, they uh, attitude adjustment to Grayson Waller. And uh, the, the segment ended. So um, what was the point of this? Why would you instigate this crowd that was kind of behaving and, and rile them up and make them think that WrestleMania is coming to uh, London? Who are the decision makers he was referring to? Who do you think those people are? Just these vague people, um, you know, people with suits who sit in Titan Tower somewhere. They have no names or faces, though. So you think that you think he's referring to WWE executives who are the decision makers? Yes, I think so. I mean, he, he when he said that, he could got you booze, interpret this like, promo? Like he was mentioning a heel. Well, could you interpret? So could you interpret this promo as in the decision makers being directed not at WWE decision makers, but UK politicians and London decision makers? Because what would how how would a city get how does the city get WrestleMania now? What is the game plan for WWE when it comes to WrestleMania? And for pretty much all, especially international pay-per-views, what are they looking for? A site fee. Um, local governments like the local government in Cardiff, in Wales, um, Puerto Rico, their tourism board paid $1.5 million. We don't know how much Cardiff paid. Uh, San Antonio paid some sum of money that, that they thought was it was so important that they – that they not disclose because they thought it would give them a competitive disadvantage. So they would not disclose that as part of my records request to the city of San Antonio. They got that approved through the state of Texas, but they did pay some something. They bid it, bid something for it. Um, and we saw Orlando discussing, uh, you know, allocating money to bid on Royal Rumble this next year. Uh, there is also in, mentioned in passing a potential bid on WrestleMania at some point. Um, I've never heard of a, of a number on the bid for a WrestleMania event, but I do believe that, you know, Los Angeles and or Inglewood, probably Los Angeles, uh, bid something on um, to get WrestleMania there this year. And I would imagine that's not the first time that that's happened either. So and of course, the biggest local um, government municipality that's paying money, the biggest one of all is um, Saudi Arabia paying $50 million, 55 zero. Uh, every time that WWE comes to either Riyadh or Jeddah. Um, so they're looking for a site fee. And I think this was. Right. So, so my, so right. So, so in this instance, John Cena could be referring to the decision makers as your UK government people. Right. And so those are the people that will, are the people that are keeping WrestleMania from, uh, you know, from London. And so the idea was to get a video of fans going crazy for, you know, the possibility of WrestleMania in London. And then they can show that to government officials when they talk about when it comes to negotiating whether or not they want to put WrestleMania there or maybe a, a future event. Because I don't think they got a site fee for, for running the bank, did they? I doubt it because I, I would think that the biggest cities of all benefit the least from it because they've got the most – they have the, 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 less, the least need to, you know, offset, you know – 
some downturn in seasonality, I would think, you know, the big cities like London and New York and, and LA, I would think, you know, they don't need to do what say Orlando was talking about doing, which is, you know, in January, which they showed a chart showing that this is a, a not very busy time for our hotels and things like that. They showed that, you know, this is a downturn for our hospitality business around the time of Royal Rumble. Let's bid some amount of money here and give a boost to, to business and to, to the local uh, economy at a time when business is not really strong. So Orlando is a fairly big city, but obviously London is bigger. Uh, cities like New York and LA are bigger and they don't need the, um, they don't need the boost as much as I would think smaller cities do. Um, so I think what's, what's happening here is not unlike what, ha- what, ha- what happened with um, the New York Post story that came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, about FX having interest in WWE TV rights. I think there's a lot of similarities here in terms of we've seen reports in the last, I don't know, month or two about WWE talking with uh, Perth, I believe, is is the city that's been thrown out there in Australia uh, uh, for a potential PLE in Australia. And maybe a deal isn't done. And I don't know. Well, on, on one hand, I don't think WrestleMania is coming to Australia anytime soon. I'm sure... The people in Australia and the government in Australia would love to have that because that would encourage tourism to that region all the more. But I'm, my suspicion is is what's happening here is, you know, there's a deal being negotiated, but a deal has not uh, been completed yet. And let's let's throw in into the mix here um, some excitement about another player. And the more you can get people talking about that and thinking about that or get the other potential bidder thinking about that somebody else is going to scoop them can only benefit the bidding process and leverage an even higher site fee. Um, I've heard talk um, online, and I know John and Way were talking about it. Do they have already a WrestleMania booked for London? Why, why would you do this if you do not already have a WrestleMania booked for London? Um, maybe they do. Who knows? But I doubt it. And we did hear Cody in the press conference say, maybe John knows something I don't as far as WrestleMania maybe already being booked in London. Um, but I think the point of this moment was to rally UK wrestling fans. We know how passionate they are. Some of them listening right now. To rally UK wrestling fans, to to shake their local government officials, to shake their members of parliament and say, hey, bring WrestleMania to, to, to London. And that should only leverage, whether that brings WrestleMania to London or not, that should leverage, if it becomes a, a strong campaign, should only help them leverage higher site fees from wherever they do their shows. Do you think that AEW running Wembley Stadium has an influence on WWE's sudden willingness to run, potentially run WrestleMania in London? I'm disappointed and, and offended that you would even bring up AEW in this context. Um, WWE's main competitors, as we know, are the National Football League, are is Disney. And I think it is, it is totally um, inappropriate to suggest that uh, WWE would ever do anything in response to an ind- independent wrestling company such as AEW, whether that's offering a discount on WWE 2K23, uh, whether that's running in, in the UK ahead of uh, AEW running uh, some sort of show in a is it, where is it in, a, in a banquet hall somewhere at a at a at a soccer field or something like that, right? Um, I think there's uh, what do you, what do you think? Do you think? Oh, well, the other thing would be would would WWE would Vince 
want WrestleMania to be in London, which would mean it would be airing in the afternoon, which we had always heard was kind of one of the reasons why SummerSlam 92 was never really followed up on was because of concern about the time difference and the, what that would impact on pay-per-view buys. Obviously, the business is totally different now, and they run pay-per-view events like the one last night that or PLEs like the one last night that air in the you know primetime UK time and, and in the afternoon here. But do you think WrestleMania would be something that uh, they'd be willing to move? I don't as a as a viewer and, and just thinking like from the fans point of view, I, I don't think that that's a problem to run WrestleMania in the afternoon. Um, these shows that happen now in the afternoon and, and we know how long they go. I mean, I just went to Forbidden Door and the thing was like five hours long, wherever it was. Um, I would be all for and I think a lot of people would be all for these shows that are on the weekend anyway, starting in the afternoon. If it start, if WrestleMania started at 3 p.m., okay, you do a five-hour show, it's only 8 p.m., and that's better than you know starting a show at like 7 or 8 and going to midnight. Um, so I don't think that's a problem. Right. I don't think it's a problem either. I think it's more of a Vince, like is this a weird Vince thing? Mm-hmm. Well, Vince has been talked out of doing the, the sun staying on Sundays, and he's been talked into doing Saturdays. So I think it's it's possible, right. especially if there's there's a site fee and licensing fee that, that you know Nick is helping bring as a part of this. Um MJ from MJ is, is going off in the chat, uh, having a monologue with himself. I think he wanted um, me to bring up something so, in the context of the uh, the exchange rate and whether the exchange rate makes this any more complicated. I'm not really sure. But over the course of time, um, what we have here is like 1980 to the present, the exchange rate between the British pound uh, and the U.S. dollar. And it's, you know, it's the, the, the price of um, – the exchange rate is like 1.3, basically, um, $1.3 to each pound. Uh, the Australian dollar is about two-thirds of the American dollar. And uh, the Canadian dollar is has been fairly flat at about you know 75 cents on the U.S. dollar for the last uh, 10 years or so. Um, the main volatility I see here across all of these, and I could be wrong, but just uh, my layman uh, view of looking at these line charts is that there's – uh, a big increase in everybody else's currency around the middle of the 2010s. <clears throat> I'm not sure what that could be about, but I hope that doesn't uh, something doesn't happen to cause that to uh, to happen again in a, in a year or two from now. Um, what were we going to say, Jesse? I was going to ask about to go back to obviously the Money in the Bank, like you said, according to WWE, is the highest grossing arena event that they've ever done. Uh, it was completely sold out uh, pretty much in advance. I know the secondary ticket prices were very high. And so I'd be very curious to know, like, it really seems like they undershot what they could have done for this show. I know they tried to do money in the bank in a stadium last year, and it did not sell well at all. So they moved it to an arena. But given that this was in London, it does they seem like a more intimate they show. probably could have run a stadium. Right. So maybe they want to do that in London instead. But it does seem like they uh, probably could have ran a stadium somewhere in London. And there are plenty of available stadiums in London for them to choose from, from all sorts of sizes. Um, it does seem like that they probably could have done a, a major stadium event uh, and, and, you know, doubled or tripled their gate. I guess so. And then w- where would they have ran at the, at Wembley stadium? Um, I guess they could have. Um, yeah. That, that makes I sense. I mean, there me. are stadiums, there are stadiums all over um, London I mean, if it's Wembley, it doesn't have to be Wembley. Um, there's the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is slightly smaller than Wembley. There's West London Stadium or the London Stadium. 
uh, where West Ham United play. That's about the same size as the Tottenham Stadium. There's the Emirates Stadium where Arsenal play, which again is about a 60,000 seat stadium. There's Twickenham Stadium, which is like a 70,000 seat rugby venue. Um, there's, you know, Stamford Bridge. There's there's 30,000 seat stadiums all over the city. There's plenty of options they could have ran for, for stadiums in London if they wanted to. Right. So if, um, but if, if WB ran Wembley Stadium or something like that again, um, it would give them a chance to try to break the record of somewhere around 80,000 people from 1992 at SummerSlam. Uh, according to Vince McMahon, 80,355. I know Vince would never lie to us, uh, but according to David, is about 79,000, 78,920. Seven uh, is the number for SummerSlam 1992. Um, but uh, do you think how much do you think AEW's running Wembley plays into this, if uh, at all? I would think that it probably does. Um, if if they are going to run a stadium show in London, um, I think that that AEW running a stadium show probably plays some role. But at the same time, you know, WWE did run uh, the show in Cardiff, which was a stadium show. Last year, that was before Wembley, and they did a, a obviously incredible business at a very high ticket prices um, for the the Cardiff show. So, in after the success of the Cardiff show, we talked about potentially doing other major stadium shows in uh, in Europe and in other markets. So it doesn't necessarily have to be directly tied to Wembley Stadium, but I do think that WWE, knowing the way that they operate, despite what they claim, they saw they've seen the ticket sales for the Wembley Stadium show for AEW, and they and they are uh, and there's other concerns that they have about AEW in the UK market in terms of its well, it's as a competitor in the UK market to WWE, that probably makes them maybe a little bit more protective of of their status in that in that country, and that might mean running a, a rival show at, at Wembley Stadium. Um, could WWE run Wembley Stadium is probably yes. a serious question. Given, I, I mean, I, I could see them looking at it as if they're able to book a show that's already, you know, a couple months out, a month, yeah, about, about two months out still, and they've already sold something like 65,000 tickets. Does that speak to some untapped demand that WWE should have already tapped? I could see them viewing it that way. I do think it's not quite as simple as that. Um, Part of this is largely this is about AEW being in the UK for the first time ever. And that, well, I also think it's running a Wembley Stadium show for the first time in since SummerSlam '92, um, the first wrestling show I think ever at the new Wembley Stadium. Uh, and like like the the Cardiff show again is it was largely also because running a running a, a pay per view event in the UK market and in Europe uh, was, was was rare, right? And so that was one of the reasons that that show was successful. And subsequent shows in the UK, whether the Wembley Stadium show upcoming or just this Money in the Bank show that we just saw, those have been incredibly successful, lucrative shows because it's a still an underserved market, even as more shows start to take place there. And we do already have, I don't know if if, uh, if Bob the Builder submitted the same question twice and paid for it twice. I hope, I hope you didn't pay for this twice. But Bob the Builder, who submitted this super chat, 10 o'clock last night, he said that John Cena's segment translated to, quote, AEW did 65,000 fans for All In and Wembley, so we need to one-up them, but London needs to pay us for Mania. So I think that's, um, yeah, I don't know. It, I think it's maybe AEW's a tiny component of this, but it's, this largely plays into Nick Khan's stated strategy about wanting to leverage site fees. And, you know, you've got governments certainly buying into it. And, and we've seen the, the presentation that was held uh, in Florida for Orlando to, to pitch to give us money, $800,000 or whatever it was, to, to allocate for a bid towards Royal Rumble next year. So 
And uh, where's WrestleMania next year? Philadelphia. And WrestleMania in 2025. Do we have a date for that yet? Or a location for that? I don't think so. I think that's... We have the rumored Nashville. Or is that is that 2026? That's, I think, 27. Yeah, so they need to build the new stadium in Nashville. The uh, the, the president of, of the stadium, they are building the stadium, yes. And he said that, I think it's 27 that he said. Yeah. So that's... But at, at a minimum, if we're looking at... London WrestleMania, we're definitely looking at at least 2025. Yes, it's not. Yeah, certainly not 24. Mm-hmm. That's that's full. So that's that's a long time between like you know the the, the AEW Wembley show is going to be in the rear view before by the time you get to the 2025 WrestleMania. If you're looking to like one up AEW in that market, we're talking about you know more than a year after the event takes place. Yeah. But in, in in a way, I thought the segment was smart. That like, I mean, it, it was smart, especially if it works out. I mean, we'll see what happens in terms of, I, I think it was meant to to stimulate, yes, an organic media campaign, get people talking on social media or whatever, get fans buzzing about it. But also, you know, does this lead to mainstream media articles? I haven't searched this morning, but I think I could see it. You know, I, I joked on, on Twitter saying, you know, chat GPT, write me up a mainstream article with a bunch of puns about uh, WWE you know, having its events bid for all of the globe. Um, I think that's what it was in, intended to do is, is and, and that's why you put somebody as recognizable as John Cena in there as part of it. And you throw Grayson Waller in there as a new talent to get the rub in the moment. And he's from another international market that we're going after for these events. Mm-hmm. So it and was a very, it, I would almost suggest that like Nick Khan wrote, wrote the segments, but I think his strategies certainly influenced it. Right. And if you look at the places like you mentioned earlier that have, you know, paid site fees for to WWE, San Antonio, Texas, Port, San, San Juan, Puerto Rico, even Philadelphia, WrestleMania. Um, London is not like those cities in the sense of London seems to have no problem attracting major events. They hosted the Olympics, of course, in 2012. They hosted the UEFA Soccer uh, World Championships uh, back in 2021. Uh, our European championships in 2021. They host Champions League finals. They host major events all the time. It's one. Of, it's like like one of the you know four or five most desirable cities probably to host a global major sporting event. They are not necessarily going to maybe bend over backwards to host WrestleMania the way that a smaller uh, city, a less attractive tourist destination, would. And I think that one of the reasons that. The, um, the Clash at the Castle took place in Cardiff and not in London. I'm sure they would have preferred it to have taken place in London and had to have run Wembley Stadium with it. And one of the reasons that it was that was because Cardiff offered the money and London did not. Um, so I do think that's interesting. They're going to try to put pressure on London, but I don't know if London, kind of like New York City, is, is kind of, well, you know, we don't have to necessarily pay site fees to host this kind of event. Bob the Builder has chimed in again here. He says, uh, do you think All In will end up being the highest paid attendance for wrestling all uh, this year? I think so, because WrestleMania, we kind of, we, we know WrestleMania, if I look at the Polestar data, I don't think it quite did 65 on either day. Uh, I suppose you could could argue that, well, that's just, that's a two-day event, so really add it up, and it's like 130000 or something like that, or 120000 maybe paid. Um, but I don't think there's anything that would, really come close to that other than wrestlemania right no because even there's no other real i mean like you have SummerSlam, which is not not going to be close at all uh unless unless they stick i guess they could presumably sell a ton of tickets for SummerSlam between SummerSlam's at 40 at about 41 and that's distributed not necessarily paid so it's a little bit under that so that that's Mm -hmm. not going to get anywhere close to sixty-five thousand paid i mean assuming that that tony's telling the truth and i you're really uh you're really doubting roman reigns in in Jey Uso is, is a main event for SummerSlam. 
Yes. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, also, on uh, not not just um, Money in the Bank, but throughout the week, um, WB has been offering W2K23 at 30, 33% off. Um, this comes uh, just after they offered it at 25% off. And um, I went back and looked and said, you know, what is the timing? Because I tweeted something about this. And I thought I, I had the most vociferous, vicious people after me already because of wrestling TV ratings. But I've learned there is there is a contender or maybe some of the same people uh, who are viciously interested in video games coming after me. Uh, but for, for alluding to the reason why they did this as the timing of uh, AW Fight Forever, which we had Mike Straw on on uh, Thursday. And uh, on, on Pollock and Thurston, we talked about it. And he seemed to think that, you know, this the reason why they were discounting it as much as 33% anyway, I think, um, was because of the timing of AW's release, which was this past Thursday, um, the day that we, we talked to Mike. Um, so I went back and looked and said, okay, for 2K 2022, because they do this every year, I've been informed by many people. They do this every year. This, to have their there be discounts on these games is not an unusual thing. So I went back and looked and see when did they offer it at, you know, 33% off and the closest I could find, they did do a 35% off at the end of July. So that's a little bit later. The games were released on almost the same day of March. They're, they're like three days apart uh, in March on uh 2K 2022 was released in March 2022, March like 11th or something like that. This year's game 2023 was released on like March 14th. So it's a little bit earlier um, than you. Did Michael Cole plug it on a, a live broadcast? Did he plug the 2K sale last year? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they also did ads during the PLE and during the TV shows. Um, they did mention the Metacritic score in these commercials that they were running during uh, – Money in the Bank, the Metacritic score right now for WB2K23, 82, 82 to AW Fight Forever's 65. So once again, proving that W is way better than AW. Um, let's be. You know, that. was there a uh, was there like a twelve hour moratorium on people's ability to uh, uh, place a these rating? Are, these on are all AW's critics. Game? These these are all um, you know professional critics of, uh, right. of video games here. So so no no uh, no cage match inmates here. Yeah. Do we have any kind of expectation or idea on what would be considered like successful sale figures for AW Fight Forever? I have no idea. Other than Mike said, if they if they come out with another release next year, um, that would be surprising, and that would mean that the sales have done really well. And he he said he didn't expect another release until like you know five years from now or something like that. Yeah, that's my impression of what other people have said as well. In the sense of it seems like a game more that they're gonna they might continue to support through DLC as opposed to WWE 2K games, which like all like sports games, there's a new one every year. Um, right. Which will change, you know, if you were to compare the sales figures between the two, it probably makes a difference that if AEW is going to be the only one over a five year span as opposed to WWE, which releases a new game every year. Did you watch the press conference? Uh, I, I, you're not going to believe this, Brandon, but I, I did not. You love the press conferences, though. I hate them. The yeah, gosh, especially, them. Specifically the WWE ones. This was fine. I will say... I, I uh, listened to... I read your recap of it. You read my recap? Oh, you read the, all these notes in here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> these are furiously typed notes. There's not, that, that, that's cool that you read. It's like not necessarily for other people's consumption. Um there are notes if you're a subscriber and you get the slides and you look at the Google Slides version, you will see my furiously uh, you know, typed notes. Um, I will say, 
you can there's a big difference between a W press conference and AEW press conference in terms of like as soon as this show ended, boom, that that press conference was starting. Like it wasn't but like I would say five minutes before that press con the PLE ended, the press conference started. Um I sat in a, a non air conditioned room uh in Toronto the other night last week uh for like 20 30 minutes before uh tony khan showed up uh, or anybody showed up i so, also sat i sat in an air-conditioned room my room that i'm in right now waiting for tony khan to show up watching a yeah. live stream no there was no air conditioning in this room no air conditioning yeah why was there no air conditioning in that room i don't know it, it, it's like it I, was in it was in the the scotia bank arena like Yes. And it's, it's always like the catering. They, you know, when they're done with catering, they also double this room as a, as yeah. a press room afterward. Anyway, um, this is obviously like a big production. There's a lot of production people running around and stuff. And it's, uh, you know, reflective of WB, much bigger company. Um, so we had some talent here. We had Cody. Who is you know interesting? We're not going to talk about all this, but we had Damian Priest, Neil Sky, who won the won the briefcases. You had Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. We had Seth freaking Rollins, and uh, but the thing that we care about is um, Chief Content Officer Paul Levesque came to the table, put on his reading glasses. Yes, he really did put on his reading glasses. Um, he thanks the UK fans, yada yada. He said lots of gracious things about the UK fans and how great the tour is, how great it always is, how passionate the fans are. Um, he kind of, it was interesting to me that he was kind of addressing he was he was saying you all to all all these people in the press and you know it's this pretty full room it looked like in, in the times when the camera was in that direction you know dozens and dozens of people there um he was kind of addressing them in a way as if they were fans themselves as opposed to media members who were covering and reporting on the business which was that's strange why would he do that curious to me um did he um did he accuse anyone of being friends with Scott Colton no no he did not um more more on Triple H's um implications about the media later um he said this was the highest as we said at the top your highest grossing event in w history let that sink in he said um so let's uh let's examine that now and I, I i don't doubt that he's telling the truth in terms of real time dollars um we'll talk about uh inflation adjustment so i went through Corey gibson has done a great job of going through all these sources including amusement magazine uh jason campbell's prowrestlinghistory.com matt farmer's data polestar and data from yes the observer newsletter uh and we have a big spreadsheet and i filtered it down to wwe and i sorted it i, I manually excluded all the stadium events and because that's what he's saying this is the highest arena gate ever in w history and i sorted it by real-time u.s dollars how much money was it at the time not adjusting for inflation and the number one that i could find is a is a smackdown taping at the o2 arena in april 28 uh, 2008 2008 so just after wrestlemania when they usually do their european tour after wrestlemania wrestlemania was in, at the end of march that year um 2.5 million dollars in u.s dollars uh it's converted from the pound of course it's 2.5 million dollars in real time dollars in 2008 and then we have wrestlemania i believe this is wrestlemania 22 these remember these three years where they did wrestlemanias at uh at uh, major market arenas where they did wrestlemania 20 at msg and i believe the following year 21 that was they, like yep that was like did. my peak childhood wrestling watching these are your childhood those three, years those three wrestlemanias 21 22 uh, 20 21 and 22 23 you'd, you'd, you'd have been like what 10 years old or something 12? i would have been 2006 i would have been 12 uh, i would have been 11 for wrestlemania big time that's the one i remember the most like all the angles that's the batista batista wins the title from triple h that's wrestlemania 21 WrestleMania yes. 22 is John Cena versus Triple H, um, and then Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, and Kurt Angle. Okay, uh, it's also the Shawn Michaels Vince McMahon uh, street fight. 
And that that's the is that that's a Chicago style. That's the Chicago show. Yes. Okay. And that did a big time. Two point five million dollar gate. Um, we could go on here. The two thousand four WrestleMania where Benoit and, and Eddie Guerrero finished the show. Two two point four million. So those obviously those that's you know some fifteen years or so ago. So we need to adjust for inflation, and we've got we've got. I don't know. We could be missing some stuff here, but uh, of everything that's that's uh, in this data set that Corey Gibson collected, um, if we adjust for inflation and sort sort it that way, we get the Trump nineteen eighty nine Trump Plaza WrestleMania uh, WrestleMania five. Right? Yes. WrestleMania yes, the five. The mega powers explode. Yes. With uh, Macho Man, Rand- Macho- is he Macho- he's not Macho King at that point. Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan main event. It, at the time, $1.6 million. $1.6 million in 1989. That comes out to just about $4 million today. It's like $3.99 million today. So that would be the adjusted for inflation record. But anyway, I mean, as far as what this show, these two shows did, in fact, and I know people were telling me that there were combo tickets. I asked WrestleTix. WrestleTix said, yeah, that's true. There were combo tickets happening there um, for SmackDown and Money in the Bank in London uh, this weekend. But so so curious how that's being calculated. But the implication here, if I got this data right, is that two point five million dollars each night, because he said this was the highest grossing SmackDown ever and the highest grossing arena event ever. I mean, the highest grossing SmackDown event ever is is I mean, previous to this weekend, previous Friday, the highest grossing arena event ever, according to this list, is London SmackDown in 2008, two point five million dollars. So that tells me that's you know, that's the bar that they must have cleared two point five million dollars each night. Total of $5 million, according to my sources, 2.5 plus 2.5 is 5. And this all seems believable to me, at least, in the sense of yeah. ticket prices are much more expensive um, over the last year than they have been in previous time periods. Um, WWE is drawing better than they have during previous time periods. And it seems like each week that they are, uh, if you believe uh, WWE sources from backstage, they are setting gate records and, and highest grossing events in in, in many of their markets that they've been in. So it makes sense for if they were to set it in London at the same building that their previous gate record was set at, it would make sense that they have they've done it. It all checks out to me at least. Are you are you dubious of this? No, no, I think I think yeah. you know their attendances are creative, very creative. But their their gate when they talk about a gate, I think yeah, they are including ticket fees. Um, at times and probably all, all the time is in terms of their public statements. But no, I think I think I think they know they, they can't, you know, be fictional about actual dollar figures. That mm-hmm. would be a problem. Um, they, they, they can't count, you know, empty suites and things like that, when it, like, like they do with attendance. Um, so there's that. That is oh, there's there's more here, I think, from the uh, the press conference in my notes. So I have to scroll back to that. Uh, yes. Is there other stuff here? Um, he was asked about WrestleMania in London. Um, he basically said, you know, he, he basically made it sound like it's probably not going to happen. He certainly didn't give anybody hope or drop any hints as if, yeah, it's already booked. Um, he just went over the fact that, you know, look at the PLEs that we've done this year. Um, four of them, four of the last five, he said, were international. So that's Montreal, record sales, sold out, he said. Puerto Rico, record sales. Saudi Arabia, record sales. And then that night, yesterday. London record sales. Um, we intend to be global, but it's a lot more difficult than it appears. Um, there's a way to do it. They're hell bent. Um, and he went to the next question. And he what said, is the way to do it? If there's a way to get a lot of these international events done. We're hell bent. Um, it's it's for local governments to incentivize them to make sure that they do it. I guess. Right. This is John Cena coming out, their biggest star, and a complete surprise. Really, no rumors yeah. of John Cena being in London or anything like that. 
And he's not like out. shooting a movie there or something. I wouldn't know, but he, he could be. I, I don't know what his schedule is, but there was no like like I, I heard nothing about John Cena potentially being on the show or anything like that. Um, but you nothing have your big star either. Yeah, and you have your big star coming out leading the chant or whatever, and and talking about kind of really randomly, like nobody really expected him to. Obviously, no one expected him to come out, but certainly no one expected him to start like a campaign to get WrestleMania in London, his favorite city, by the way. Yes. No longer Boston. Sorry. Yeah, that's uh, that's not cool. But, you know, <laughs> John Cena's not really from Boston. Where, where is he from? He, he's, 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 he's from the greater Boston area. He's from a well-off suburb. Yes, he's he's about he's from a well-off <laughs> suburb, but an hour north of Boston. An hour. So, like, I don't think I don't think John Cena was was, you know, taking the uh, taking the MBTA into Boston all the time. I can tell you that. OK, um, he, he asked for the next next question. And he said. Trent Grimm, independent, which I, I, I pop for, I will admit. Um, he was asked about Drew McIntyre, and uh, whenever I, I, I like this um, this phrase that that Triple H uses when he's clearly a little little bit I don't know if annoyed is 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 probably annoyed is probably the too strong word, but he's a little bit um, you know he's, he's casting a little bit of shade. He says, you know, it's funny. He said it's always a funny thing about it, the amount of speculation I read stuff. We we see stuff that's printed that says sources sources say. And 75% of that stuff is completely off base. Uh, I'm not directly quoting. I'm reading off my notes. So I'm paraphrasing. But he said if Drew had had an issue, so there, were, there were rumors of um, Drew McIntyre. I don't know if he was being unhappy with creative or whatever it was. But he, he was uh, reportedly, I believe, his, his contract was, was coming to an end. And they were discussing renewal, which was taking some time, I guess. Um, he said if, if Drew had any, any issues, it's news to me. And while he was out. Yeah, he had something else he wanted to get fixed, so he did it. And I'm guessing he's referring to an injury. Maybe he had some sort of surgery. Um, so, um, would you agree with that? It's seventy-five percent. I think what he basically is saying here is seventy-five percent of the wrestling reporting that you read that is attributed to anonymous sources, or at least it's not attributed to anyone. We you know sometimes things are not attributed at all. Uh, that seventy-five percent of that information is, com- in his his words. This is this is a phrase that he did use. Seventy five percent of it is completely off base. It's difficult to say. Who would you say is like the biggest contributor to anonymous sources? Uh, in wrestling I do media? not source guess, guess here on Wrestling Radio. What, but but what <laughs> what entity what entity do you think is is, is I think is communicating a lot anonymously through wrestling media well, sources? It couldn't possibly be WWE because Jesse he said seventy five percent, and I think what he meant was that the twenty five percent that is accurate is coming from WWE. <laughs> Right, because WWE, as we know, WWE's PR department is, is communicates frequently with many people in the wrestling media, and they are always, almost always, so they're almost never attributed as a as a real source. It's always a backstage source or some sort of anonymous person. So, if he has a problem with anonymous sources saying incorrect things to the media, then that's probably something that they should uh, internally address. Maybe they are. <laughs> um. Anyway. Well, and um, I guess there was a report I saw this morning, I think, that Drew McIntyre has not signed a new contract oh. with WWE. I think I saw that on Cultaholic, but I don't know how accurate oh. that is. 25% chance it's accurate. Yeah, I guess. We'll, we'll find out, right? We'll find out if, if he signed a new contract or not. Um, it's interesting. And, and after this, he says, any women here? Because I guess there's a room full of men, which is always the case in a room full of wrestling media. Um, so there was a woman reporter who asked a question about uh, – basically, she was asking about NXT – Europe, what's the update on that? And she was talking about all the great British talent. When are they going to get an opportunity? Uh, has the merger, she called it a takeover. Triple H took exception to that. Um, uh, has the merger slowed things down? He said that the merger um, 
yeah, it's, it's slowed down the process. The merger with UFC Endeavor TKO has changed the time frame. Uh, the intent is still there for NXT Europe. We're a global company. Yada, yada. I've got a lot of amazing talent out there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. So, you know, putting some credibility towards reports that there's freeze on talent hiring, um, which is believable. Yes. Um, so we'll see when or if NXT Europe happens. And pretty much everyone has been pretty skeptical ever since NXT UK folded and NXT Europe was kind of discussed that NXT Europe was going to take off anytime soon. Seems like the philosophy has changed around that. Uh, Kind of of related to that question, and this is maybe just kind of a little slightly off topic, but uh, so so they have this show in London and you would think about WWE's roster and who is going to be on this card. And people discuss this for the Wembley Stadium show in for AEW. Like, what kind of British talent can they can they highlight? And who can they kind of have in, in, in key spots because they're going to be running a show uh, in London? WWE runs this Money in the Bank show, and they have one wrestler from the UK uh, on the card, and that's Butch. Uh, in the, in the did, did have Drew McIntyre come out? Drew McIntyre does come out, but he was not on, obviously not on the card. And there's probably no reason for him to not be on the card if he was, if he's physically capable of, of running out. I mean, you had Irish talent, you had like Finn Balor, Becky Lynch. Yes. Uh, and you had, you know, Walter, who's from Europe. But other than that. From Austria, right? Um, yes. Uh, who could forget his tag team with uh, the Avalanche, the Outsiders in WXW? Yeah, I think that was the only, uh, yeah, just Pete Dunn, excuse me, Butch, and... Uh, and Drew McIntyre doing your um, running. Yeah, but I, th- I don't know. It's kind of notable. Only no, only one English Englishman yeah. on the show. Um, and you had MJ NXT UK not that long ago. A whole promotion based in the UK. Yeah. MJ from NJ wants us to know. WWE is on an all-time business run. At an all-time stock price. Heading into a once-in-a-lifetime merger. Thank you, WWE board. Acknowledge them. Um, I think MJ from NJ uh, should acknowledge his uh, stock positions. I think he's playing in options in WWE these days which may may account for a, maybe a factor in his enthusiasm here. Um, so uh, they are, would you say that W is an all-time business run? It's, uh, I mean, this is not the popularity, certainly, of the Attitude Era or the Hulkamania Era, but this is um, this is definitely positive momentum, and we see I would definitely, I would definitely say, like, areas. if you're, I would definitely say if you're looking at, like, the last 10 years or so. Um, yeah. Like, in business, and for a long time, we saw, a, like, you know, consistent declines in, in many of their, you know, popularity metrics in the last really, really, I would say the last, probably a little bit before the last year, but really the last year, a really big increase. Um, and that's probably due to a variety of factors, but overall I would say yes. Um, and certainly like if you just, just, I mean, just the TV money alone and the Saudi Arabia deals, um, there's certainly an all time revenue. You and, know, and they were for right? these years that I would say 16, right. 16 to 19 when fan interest declined, but Right. But the nature of their economic situation, you know, improved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, TV ratings are up. Ticket sales seem to be up. Um, uh, MJ wants us to know that that super chat was paid for by 12 to 1 underdog Liv Morgan last night. Gambling will be the next big uptick in popularity in W in the next five years. I am skeptical that gambling will be legalized on pro wrestling in the United States anytime soon, uh, even within the next five years. But uh, good luck with that. Um, Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So, AEW Collision aired last night. We don't know the rating yet. Uh, That was the third episode. We do have two weeks of ratings so far. For AEW Collision, first week did 816,000 viewers, a .33 in the demo. Week two, uh, something like 27% down. I've got the number in the, over here in a minute. I'll look at it. 595,000 viewers, 816 to 595. The demo was 133, or I'm sorry, it was .33 down to .21. Um, predictions. Did you watch Collision? first jesse i i actually for the first time watched collision live last night but you did not watch money in the bank i did not because i was at the beach all day so i was not around for this 3 p.m you were touching sand i was touching sand you know it was was actually terrible because the air quality was awful yesterday due to the forest fires in canada it's been bad in northeast again yeah you could only see like at one point you could only see like 75 feet in front of you which on the beach is not very much like it was it was pretty crazy but um no, I was, I mean, I was out on Saturday afternoon and, uh, so I was actually home on Saturday night. So I was able to watch collision live while I was making dinner. Okay. Uh, so competition was about the same. I believe we got baseball on Fox. Um, there's, there continues to be, I think soccer on this one. Um, Conaf, you probably know what that is. I don't know what that is. Um, uh, CONCACAF gold cup. You mean? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, put some respect on Copa de Oro, uh, Brandon. Okay. 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 Uh, prediction for this rating. Week three. Uh, 575,000.20. Okay. Um, the rating will co- – oh, 4th of July week, so the, that, that messes up the yeah. schedule. Um, the rating – what did I tweet yesterday? Uh, I can't even look at it, I don't think, because uh, – because of uh, you know Twitter being Twitter, yes I can. Uh, what did I tweet the other day? There, there's going to be no ratings on Tuesday. Usually, collision ratings will come out on Tuesday morning. Um, but tweet uh, ratings are coming out for Collision on Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, it will be revealed. Um, Hist- history tells us that the week two rating is probably more closer to what they're going to oh, settle in on than the week one rating. It should be. It should be. Um, I don't have, I'm not optimistic about week three here. Uh, I expect it to be at least a little bit down. Um, so we'll see. You're, you're, you're predicting what, what for the demo again? 0.20. 0.20. Yeah. I wasn't really thinking about 4th of July weekend though. Four, there we go. 4th of July. You can't draw on 4th of July weekend. Man, we'll see what raw does, right? A lot of raw's lowest ratings are on yeah. or near 4th of July weekend. It, it really depends. I think on where the. I mean, it's, it's 4th of July, so it, it falls on all different days of the week. But um, but I, I, I guess like WWE being up in the ratings, both Raw and SmackDown and NXT uh, over the SmackDown last SmackDown like, did, did a good rating, uh, according to the Fast yeah. Affiliate. We'll see what the number really is yeah. on, on Monday. That will be um, on the normal schedule. But like, you know, their ratings being up over the last few months, uh, you know, despite the fact that cord cutting has accelerated, way fewer homes have cable than they did like a few years ago. Um, 
despite the fact that all of TV ratings are kind of down. Yet when you put out a product that people want to see, suddenly those 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 cords are plugged back in. People were able to find the outlet finally. Uh, and people are watching again. So I do believe that people will tune in uh, to something that they really want to see. And I think we're maybe too quick to dismiss all declines as, or, or most declines as just an inevitable trait of, of watching television. So if, if, if it comes out on Wednesday morning, the collision did a pretty weak rating. Um, what would you attribute that to? I would say to a decline in interest in collision. Okay. Um, I'm not, you know, this, this first month or so of collision ratings, you can't draw any major conclusions, just like we couldn't say, oh, a 0.33 should be what they're going to do or what they're going to do each week from week one. It's going to take time before us to really have an idea of what it is. I will say this, didn't feel any buzz for collision this week. Didn't feel like there was anything major, really important on collision. And when I watched the show, while I thought it was a fine two hours of television, it did not feel like a really big happening show the way I think most Dynamites feel. And that's just comparing one episode of Dynamite this week to another to the episode of Collision that I saw. Week one, I thought Collision felt super buzzy and interesting. I was just, just when I watched it last night, I was thinking, you know, this is a fine, solid two hours of wrestling, kind of like the way Rampage is. And yes, CM Punk is on the show and you get to see, you know, uh, you know, Roderick Strong versus Samoa Joe is a cool match. And they're, they're doing the Owen Hart Cup stuff and MJF, you know, and Ethan Page did a surprise kind of title match, but it didn't feel like um, kind of a really important happening show the way Dynamite does. But again, that's just a weak comparison. We'll see what the kind of sh- the pacing of the show settle into. Who are the biggest stars on Collision last night? MJF, CM Punk, who did not wrestle. I don't think CM Punk wrestled. Um, no, he didn't. He did commentary. And he did yeah, I would. I would say uh, Jay White. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you could say you know Samoa Joe. You know, Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong was the main event, which they did a good job hyping up. They had video packages. They had, you know, history of their old ROH feud. They had CM Punk was on commentary in the main event. Um, but yeah, as far as, you know, and I think MJF being on the show for the first time and, you know, he wrestled technically two matches and the kind of first 30 minutes of the show were totally all MJF. Um, then so I would say that, yeah, those would be your kind of big stars. I mean, and I would compare this to what, what Dynamite was this past Wednesday in terms of star power, just to run through some names here. John Moxley, Big Tom. Uh, but but let's be serious. John Moxley, um, that's the six man did not do well in, in the Sting, quarter hours. Sting, Chris Jericho. Sting, Chris Jericho, yep. Um, the Elite did a backstage thing, right? The Elite had a, the elite had a match. Um, yeah, the Young Bucks and Hangman wrestled the Dark Order. Yeah. Um, Jack Perry did his thing. I would, I would, but yeah, I would say Chris Jericho, Sting, the elite, John Moxley. I would say that's heavier on star power. And those guys all had matches. Like Jay White didn't have a match. Chris CM Punk didn't have a match. Right. Right. Um, and those matches, I've just been surprised in, in, you know, it was a six man and an eight man. Both of those matches did better than the CM Punk promo. I don't know if he did a promo on the second show. Anyway, um, I'm a little worried about the the star power uh, disparity there and whether that, I mean, it's just, just three weeks, but, um, and whether that continues. And this is uh, my, my vibe of of, of rampage here. Oh, my vibe on, on collision. My vibe on collision is for, especially if we're going to talk like a roster split or our soft roster split, our kind of talent is going to be on collision. Mm -hmm. Collision to me has a lot of wrestlers that, 
people are optimistic about, but are not yet established stars or established consistent performers. And the show is going to be geared a little bit more towards maybe helping those talent reach their potential. But as it stands, um, I think more of the superior wrestlers and superior acts in the show are, are weighted towards Dynamite. But again, we don't know how much the roster shakedown is going to be, but it feels like Collision is you know, focusing on Wardlow a little bit, focusing on Powerhouse Hobbs, focusing on Ricky Starks. Um, I think Ricky Starks is probably closer to being all the way there than those other two guys, but it seems like there's some projects on Collision that are going to get some time to try to, and people are optimistic about, but as far as like, it's hard to compare them to like the Elite and Chris Jericho and, and the members of the Blackpool Combat Club and that kind of established star power. Um, what would you say is the floor for success for this show, for a rating? <sighs> Can I just – I guess we don't know because the show buzz daily, but I would say finishing top one or two – top three of the night would be my uh, success. I think it has to do better than what the movies have been doing in this time slot. Sure, and we will continue. Fine. We will continue to get that through. I mean that was something through Spoilers TV that Showbiz Daily was not reporting at all. So mm-hmm. I mean that's all in the past now. That's not going to be what's airing on, yeah. on Saturday nights. But we know that that at best did – and it needs to do better than what those at best did. I think those did, you know, 0.12, 0.14, something in that neighborhood. So I think it's got to do decisively better than that. Yeah. And I I think if it's a a top rated show on Saturday nights, whatever that number is, would be considered successful. When college football season starts, you know, all hell is going to break loose. We're not going to have the charts anymore for for college football season, but I would expect it to finish, you know, probably outside the top 10 during college football season. Now, a lot of that college football competition is not going to be head to head with collision. You know, they'll have a marquee game or or one or two marquee games that are on at night, but most, but there'll be a lot of college football games that are on during the day in the afternoon that would be collision in the ratings. But not outside of college football season, I would say finishing in the top three of the night would probably be a goal. And I think this is going to weigh heavily into the value of, of AEW's next TV deal. If this does a lot better than the movies do, it bodes well into AEW getting a much better TV rights contract. If it does what what the the movies did, uh, it, it it doesn't help at all. So it's a lot more hours of content. So it better justify a lot more money. Um, what else do I have in here? Collision ticket sales. Well, estimated tickets distributed. For Hamilton, the dreaded Hamilton show, on a Thursday, taped ahead of time, 3,840 was the last count that I have here for uh, from WrestleTix. So it went from 800 to 3,840. Um, WrestleTix thinks it's probably a lot of comps there, probably more more com- higher comp rate than usual here. So who knows what the what the paid is really looking like here. Um, next week will be Regina, 1,396 at the moment. So we'll see what these continue to do. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable if you look at AEW over the last two weeks, um, two or three weeks, I guess, that they have basically they have had all these major shows, uh, kind of in the the month of June here, and they've really only been it for like the last two or three weeks in two markets. They ran Chicago and they ran Toronto, and they ran multiple shows in both of those markets. Um, and they, if you look at it, they sold a lot of tickets. They, at the end of the day, whether you know how successful the you know the Collision debut in the United Center or whatever you want to say. They sold like 17,000 or they distributed like 17,000. They distributed tickets. a lot of tickets. Yeah. They did like 17,000 tickets in, in Chicago for two shows. And then in the Toronto area, um, I haven't done all the math, but they have sold, you know, well over 20,000 tickets. For Toronto, um, I can tell you they did. Let's see here. Um, you want to include Hamilton as part of Toronto? Yes. Um, so that's four shows. And it's a sum of. 
twenty and tickets distributed. Twenty thousand, twenty eight thousand, twenty thousand distributed mm-hmm. over like a what ten day span from the twenty fourth to the 29th. So five days, that. yeah, yes, six days, yes. So that's pretty good. I don't any way you want to slice it. I know it's distributed. I know uh, you could say some of the shows are disappointing, like the Hamilton show from an overall standpoint. But hey, you sell twenty eight thousand, you distribute twenty eight thousand tickets uh, in one market in a five day span. That's pretty good, wouldn't you say? I would love to know what the, what the sales actually were. Um, so I don't know if that we'll ever know because I don't think I have been having Chris Klo, uh complete a, a, a Google sheet uh, detailing all of the, the venues that we have. In fact, directly from the Russell Tick spreadsheet detailing what, what venues are government owned. But uh, yeah, this is I, I'm springing this on you. I don't know if you have it in your slides. Um, are you have you have you followed the blood and guts show at all? I have it in the, in the sheet. Oh, my God. I just closed it. Um, the Boston show. Are you going to it? I have not decided if I am going to the Boston show or not, because it's largely going to depend on if I have to work that night or not. Um, that is July. What? July 19th. Same day. That, I would say uh, I'm leaning towards yes. Um, and I'll have to reach out to my good friends at all of the wrestling uh, to see what um, they could do about that. Last count a few days ago, 5,273. That is, that is the big TD garden. Mm-hmm. So, but they, they have moved tickets since since yeah, the announcement of, that, of the game. Notes notes that they have sold over a thousand tickets since the announcement they distributed of the Wednesday. Over a thousand tickets. They have dis- oh, I said moved over one thousand tickets moved since the announcement. Okay. Uh, ambiguously moved. Yes. Um, so they're up to fifty two hundred, which will be their biggest crowd. It will be their biggest crowd ever in Boston because that's a little bit more than I think the Aganis Arena held when even when they sold it out. So. They're going to do more than they would have done at the Aganis Arena. Whether they're going to do enough to justify running the much larger TD Garden remains to be seen. But I thought it was notable that, you know, there's probably not too many matches that AEW could announce that would immediately sell tickets like that. So move tickets like that, not sell. Got to be careful. Um, I'm debating whether we should discuss this consolidation thing. Um, just briefly, some some big macro uh macro picture stuff here um i I went through and i i looked up what the enterprise value is of the major media companies to think about you know i mean we we, not anytime soon but maybe in a few years nbc universal and wbd end up getting consolidated which would be a big deal i don't know exactly what the implications would be there'd be something for the wrestling business because obviously wbd and AEW are going to continue to do business i'd be shocked if they didn't nbc universal and wwe are going to continue to do business i'd be shocked if they didn't um and so i was looking at who how big are these companies and i've i've heard that in terms of market capital so not enterprise value which is different uh but in terms of market capital apple which i do own some shares and still apple reached i believe three trillion dollars the other day anyway they're the biggest company in the world um at least i don't know in the u.s um and they're way bigger, you know, than than these media companies. Uh, Alphabet, which is the Google company, is 1.5 trillion. Amazon is 1.4 trillion. WBD Enterprise Value is just 27 billion dollars, a measly 27 billion dollars for David Zaslav and Gunnar Weidenfels. Um, Comcast is way bigger because Comcast is also a telecom company, in addition to being the parent of NBC Universal. NBC Universal, when they acquired it, is is worth roughly 30 billion dollars. So on the you know in the in the realm of what WBD is worth, they're roughly equal value, uh, enterprise value. Comcast overall is over 263 billion, but uh, you know the, the the four big media companies that we're looking at here: WBD, NBC Universal, Paramount, Fox, 
all in the you know twenty to thirty billion dollar neighborhood. Um, and as we you mentioned on uh, on Thursday, there aren't many profitable TV businesses in the world these days. Cable TV is still profitable; those profits are shrinking. Netflix is profitable. Basically, nobody else is uh, streaming is profitable. I believe it was didn't they say HBO Max is getting close to profitability? So I, I looked at what the the profitability are of these companies that are standalone media companies that don't have a telecom company attached to them like uh, NBC Universal does. And um, their profits are dwindling too. So Fox is, Fox is a lot of things, right? But it, Fox is largely a TV company. Paramount's the former uh, Viacom CBS. And their, their net income has been decreasing over the years as well. And WBD has its own separate issues. They're not profitable at all overall as a company. I, I, above my head, but this seems related to the merger to me. So eventually consolidation has to happen, people are saying. And I'm just trying to think about how this might happen and that maybe NBC Universal separates away from Comcast, merges in the years to come with WBD, see who wins out between David Zasloff and Brian Roberts. And that sort of leaves, you know, the, the other two, Fox and Paramount, it seems like those eventually have to be consolidated as well. And that's sort of why they're leaning down. And uh, maybe that's part playing into why Bellator is up for sale. Apparently not by the cons. Not, not, not going to be bought by the cons, according to Tony. Ariel Hawani making it clear, though, that they might not have talked to Tony or Shad, but maybe they talked to their people was his uh, response to that. Um, but maybe Amazon ends up grabbing some of this. People think that Fox News might go off to, to News Corp, which is not part of Fox. Um, and maybe Fox can be grabbed up. I suspect that all this is going to end up being more complicated and then things might be broken down to greater fragments, you know, to further fragments than we're looking at here. Maybe Disney can could continue to grab some of these assets as well from Paramount and Amazon uh, or from Paramount and Fox, which they already have grabbed a lot of it from Fox. Um, so just some thoughts there. I don't know if you have any any thoughts on that. But I mean, the reason we were discussing this is because it would ultimately impact who could possibly bid for, for television and content rights. Yes. Yeah. Right. And with the new TV deals, both for AEW and WWE coming up in the near future, if some of this consolidation were to happen, we'd be taught this would probably not really have any impact on the professional wrestling industry until later this decade, if not into the 2030s. Well, it could have it it all depends on when and if live rights fees plateau. Um, I think WWE and and AEW in in a macro sense are still safe for this round, you know, though they're they're only you know, a, a, whether AEW gets a huge upgrade or a little one is you know, up to where how their performance goes, I think. But um, I think w, and w, WWE will be OK, depending on how many bidders are truly interested in them, whether FX is truly interested in them and who's going to bid aggressively and who's not. Um, but if um, if in the next round, though, you know, five years from now, if we're seeing sports rights deals being made that are flat or down broadly, and that's happening more than just once, um, that could have. They could have a big impact on wrestling, but I, I, I expect that it's not going to kill wrestling, but it's just going to flatten the growth. Mm-hmm. So, um, and our last topic, Showbiz Daily is, according to Showbiz Daily, coming to an end. Uh, they said this coming week would be our last week. That was last week. Um, they did report ratings for Thursday. I don't know if they'll report ratings for Friday, but Showbiz Daily coming to an end. Um, and, and they it, had a special thank you for wrestling fans and their uh, yes. Goodbye, a message. Yes, wrestling fans are terrible, which, you know, I'm well aware. Um, I'm sure a lot, I, I, I did see at times, you know, a lot of the comments that they were getting in their, in their like discus comments uh, section below their articles mm-hmm. was people, you know, shouting about wrestling or requesting wrestling ratings. Um, 
So there will be no more rankings, I think. We might get some rankings from other sites and, and stuff like that, but we'll see. I will still report ratings, at least most of the time. I expect to be able to report ratings. Um, I'm not completely reliant on Showbiz Daily. Uh, and the th- thing that I'm thinking about here is we see all these numbers here. And we, we talk about ratings. And I sort of struggled with, with this on their hiatus in 2021 when Showbiz was supposedly done at that time. Um, is how to how to what metrics to report? Do you, we're looking at in video a table here? It's a Showbiz Daily table that shows all these demos. Shows like eight eight or nine demos, right? It shows the total viewership, which is called P two plus, way on the end in thousands, and then everything else is illustrated as a rating. I think that's especially accommodating to the the ad industry, the TV ad industry that thinks about things more so in ratings than they do in terms of viewers, but. Do you happen to know, Jesse, what these ratings really represent? Like, you know, AEW did a 0.24 on Wednesday. What what does that mean? 0.24 what? Isn't there there's a total number of it's a percent it was a percentage of people who were watching television? Is that it? It is in a certain demographic. So what what Showbuzz Daily has always reported are called national ratings. These decimal mm-hmm. numbers, these are national ratings. What does that mean? This is re- representative of the people in these age groups or gender groups that are living in households with televisions. So basically what this means is 0.24% of people age 40, 18 to 49, 0.24%, so a quarter of a percent of all the people in the United States who live in a home with a television in it who are between the ages of 18 and 49, a quarter of a percent of them watch Dynamite. And that's based off of sampling from people who have a Nielsen box. Presumably. It's based on Nielsen math, yes. So I I get viewership numbers more than I get ratings numbers. And what I will do is calculate. And you can calculate these pretty reliably based on something called the universe estimate. Um, I debate whether to – there will be no more showbiz daily, presumably. Let's say showbiz daily never comes back, which it sounds like it's not going to come back ever. Um, should I continue to report these national ratings and cal- calculate them out? It's basically just take the number of viewers in the case of 1849, you divide it by like 1304.1 or something like that, and you get the national rating. I would only be doing that, though, because that's what people are accustomed to because they've read Showbiz Daily for all these years, as opposed to saying – which something that I think is much more intuitive and in saying Dynamite was viewed by 316,000 viewers in the demo, which is the number. But people have no context on that because you know what a what a point two four is. But I but I, I but I bet you and people who pay attention to ratings don't know what like a, a context for like what what's three hundred sixteen thousand viewers in the demo is that good or bad? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um. The uh, do you think I think like if we're talking about like the end of Showbuzz Daily, right? Um, I hesitate even to bring this up, but. Do you think this unfortunately has a negative impact on people, the discussions we're able to have around television ratings and wrestling? If we are now getting them from people like you or Meltzer who could be lying? No. What's Say the question again. The benefit of Showbuzz Daily really was that it was an easy, uh, non-wrestling connected source that presented the the ratings information and the rankings in a very easy to understand digestible format. And with its absence, while we will get the ratings from people like yourself, Wade Keller, um, Wade Keller, or if Dave has the numbers or whoever, really get WWE decides to get, or WWE decides to get the, give the numbers to people. Um, I don't know it. Unfor- while while I do not 
have a distrust of people reporting ratings information. Uh, other people do. And there's a, I guess like a transparency that I appreciated with Showbuzz Daily. Um, in that sense, that made it easy to, to kind of use for data points. And if you wanted to have conversations about ratings and demographics and things like that, Showbuzz Daily was a really reliable format for that. And now we're shifting more towards the wrestling media, which as Triple H told us, that is, is getting their information from some sources and 75% of it is false. So, Well, if somebody reports a rating falsely... What if we have? What if you report a rating and someone else says something else? What if Steve Fall has a different rating than you, Brandon? Well, WWE and AEW have the numbers themselves, and they can give the numbers to whoever they want, and right. they have correct numbers. I mean, like if if somebody made up a number, if if I wanted to report, you know, next next dynamite rating, next dynamite rating is like a it's a it's a point one five, but it was really like a. Point two eight. I mean, I'm, I'm getting into stuff that I don't want to say on air, like in, in terms of how, how this would be reacted to within media and, and how people within the wrestling business would interact with people in media. But that would be corrected pretty quickly, I think. I it could by the companies telling reporters, no, this is the correct number. Right. I don't know. I guess I liked the idea that Showbuzz Daily was in maybe I'm being naive about where Showbuzz Daily was getting the information, but I like the idea of Showbuzz Daily being a kind of an openly source, unconnected to wrestling in any way, shape, or form. And you still and have it's not as if only wrestling people care about ratings. You still have people who report on sports media. Oh have, no, I under, I understand. I totally understand that. I'm just I'm saying from like the wrestling discussion. Yeah, what what I'm saying is when Showbuzz Daily was out. We still had on occasion like John O'Rand would would post like a, a tweet full of, you know, like six ratings for last night, let's say. And yeah. you know, wrestling reporters are not the only reporters who have access to people who have access to Nielsen data. No, and I don't mean to suggest that it is, but I'm saying people are going to wrestling media. The natural I guess there's a natural distrust of wrestling media, even if they're just reporting numbers and Showbuzz Daily not being connected to wrestling media helps. I think presents data and, like I said, an easy to understand, digestible way uh, that made conversing about ratings easier. I guess and that's, like that's what we're losing. Do we expect people to like falsely report wrestling ratings? I Is don't that think that that's the case, but I think there'll be more room for interpretation without the charts from people who are dumb and biased and want to make a point. Why do you pay attention to them, though? Why are you giving them your attention? I don't want to. I'm just saying that this is something that is going to happen. I told you I'm not really on. Tw- I told you I'm not really on Twitter anymore. And so they'll be like lost. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, do we have any? I don't think we have any final super chats. Uh, do you have anything to promote? Yes, the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, which you can find on all of your favorite podcast streaming apps. Um, I, Brandon, do you know who my guest was this week on the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast? Who was it? I hope it was something good. It was a longtime independent pro wrestler and uh, former pro wrestling trainer Brandon Thurston uh, was on the show. Uh, the guy who report, you... reports fake ratings. Yeah, the guy who reports fake ratings, and now we don't have the show Buzz Daily to to to, uh, to counteract him. But uh, Brandon was on the show. Uh, we talked not about WrestleNomics, but instead we talked a lot about, about talent development. We talked about kind of ten years of the WWE Performance Center and kind of the results that WWE has gotten from those ten years in the Performance Center and kind of speculated on some ideas on why they have gotten those results 
Uh, we talked about kind of the way talent articulates through WWE and AEW, especially young talent with potential, kind of the differences in how talent is being developed now than versus 10 years ago before the WWE Performance Center. We talked about AEW signing a lot of young and perhaps inexperienced wrestlers and sometimes how they struggle to develop whilst being signed to AEW due to AEW having limited opportunities for that talent to perform. Uh, and we also talked a little bit about independent wrestling and kind of the changes and what, what has gone on there and kind of what kind of motivations independent wrestlers have and how that uh, kind of uh, plays into how they develop as talents. So it's an interesting discussion. It's getting rave reviews as, as most of these guys do. It is. is it? Some pretty, some pretty big names. Brandon have reached out to me and said, this was great content. Who? Big names, big names, like, like, like big names. They have long names, many letters in their names. Yeah. They're like from Thailand. So they got like really long names. Um, okay. Uh, and, this is it. If you want to listen to us next week, you have to subscribe to patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. You will get it in video. Well, I'll send you a link, uh, an unlisted YouTube link before we go live on the day on Sunday. Same time as always, Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I will also put an audio version. I'm going to put an audio version in the podcast feed this week for subscribers as well, just because that's what we're going to do normally. Um, so sign up now. You get the you get access to all my TV ratings reports, which I'm still going to tweet uh, the the demo and the total viewership, assuming t- Twitter works. I'll report it somewhere else in public format. Um, but I will I will have uh, many demos. I expect to not just PT and forty nine PT plus, but I'll have many demos. That'll be in my TV ratings reports for subscribers. Um, we've been reporting quarter hours. We've been it's the beginning of the month. So I'll have um, I just did a merchandise report for the month of June. We should be having a Google Trends report coming up. We should be having a a tickets report uh market to market tickets report uh, analysis relying on wrestletix data uh we'll have a cage match most matches report and see who's who's working the most across the world according to cage match data um what else is on there um you get access to the viewership spreadsheet with thousands and thousands of wrestling ratings data points um all that and more at patreon.com slash wrestling so thanks everybody for listening and uh we'll talk to you then and if you're not signed up, we'll talk to you in a month from now with the first episode of each month of WrestleNomics Radio still being for free. So thanks for listening. Bye.